When I think of Wonder Woman, I immediately think of Linda Carter. That's not that strange since she was Wonder Woman on TV for a few years, except that I've never seen a single episode of the show. But that hair, that height, and of course, those bullet deflecting wrist cuffs, that's Wonder Woman for me. For others, it's Gal Gadot, but for most, it's the two-dimensional, and I mean that in figure only, two-dimensional representation with her lasso and leotard at the checkout stand. From panel to panel, we witness her Amazonian heroism and devotion to justice. Wonder Woman the comic book started in 1941, and the brain behind the story was a psychologist named William Moulton Marston. But I'd like to argue that someone else created the superhero, Joy Murchison Kelly, the first woman to write Wonder Woman. In the span of four years, Joy wrote at least 72 stories for Wonder Woman between the eponymous comic book, of course, as well as Sensation Comics and Comic Cavalcade. Earlier this month, she passed away at the age of 97. Welcome to The Sewing Circle, a women's history podcast. I'm your host, Peyton Alexander, and we've got a lot to talk about today. At last, in a world torn by the hatreds and wars of men, appears a woman to whom the problems and feats of men are mere child's play. Those are the words that introduced Wonder Woman to the world in 1941, and while she wasn't the first female superhero, that distinction belongs to Fantoma, the shape-shifting mystery woman of the jungle, who debuted the previous year. Dr. William Marston, who'd been greatly influenced by feminism and the suffrage movement, decided that young girls needed a hero to look up to and model themselves after. His concept of a superhero crafted straight from the clay of her matriarchal land, raised by fierce warriors without a man in sight, was fresh and exciting in an already new, kind of renegade medium. Comic books really only became a thing a few years before, so William had a lot of free reign in terms of doing what he wanted within the genre since it was a fairly new experience. He dressed her in the red bustier with the little skirt, laced up boots, a circlet, and the gold wristbands. He gave her athletic prowess, a brave heart, and an inquisitive mind. He once said, frankly, Wonder Woman is psychological propaganda for the new type of woman who should, I believe, rule the world. Not everyone agreed, mostly taking umbrage with her clothing. The National Organization for Decent Literature, already unhappy with comic books generally, put Wonder Woman on a blacklist in 1942 because she wasn't sufficiently dressed. Others took issue with how frequently Wonder Woman found herself bound by chains or tied up with rope. All sorts of binding devices, like the chains or her lasso, even a straitjacket, in at least one case, made appearances in the comics time and time again. At one point, Wonder Woman cries out, boy, am I tired of being tied up. William offered a couple of explanations. In the first, 
Chain iconography was used frequently in the suffrage movement to depict women's bondage to the patriarchy. He'd become sympathetic to women's suffrage as an undergrad student at Harvard, and from there had pursued feminist theory, supported women's right to vote, and held women's reproductive rights advocate Margaret Sanger in high regard, placing her above Franklin Delano Roosevelt, but just below Henry Ford when he ranked their contributions to humanity. Depictions of women unwillingly chained to motherhood, whether in text or in art, were frequent in Margaret's magazine, Birth Control Review, as well as in her books. The cover of one issue showed a woman on her knees with her ankle chained to a ball that read, Unwanted Babies. So the influence there and the correlation between women's rights and chain imagery is really strong. But in another instance of explaining all the tying up, he said, The secret of woman's allure is that women enjoy submission, being bound, end quote. Those wrist cuffs Wonder Woman wears are called the bracelets of submission to symbolize the time when her people had been held in subjugation by men. These two things, taken together and separately, really throw you back to the 1940s. We'll get back to William's ideas on binding and women as well as the inspiration for the bracelets of submission. But for the moment, I'd like to change gears and get back to the original subject behind this episode, Joy Murchison Kelly. Joy was a 19-year-old student of Williams in 1944 when he approached her to write for Wonder Woman. He'd been impressed by her writing style and needed a young, fresh voice in the room to propel the feminist ethos of the comic, and so she became the first woman to write for Wonder Woman. Her very first story was number 12, The Winged Maidens of Venus. And here I'm going to read the synopsis provided by Asgard Press, a printing company that makes these really impressive looking calendars using vintage comics, movie posters, baseball cards, that kind of thing. Their tagline is, Old School is Now in Session. Anyway, It's a three-part adventure to the planet Venus in this action-packed issue when that world's Queen Desira grants Wonder Woman the power of magnetic hearing. Using her newfound skill, the Amazon uncovers a horrific plot to initiate a third world war spearheaded by a group led by schemers Pierre Finati and Bird Boswell. Later, the heroine must follow a captured member of the Holiday Girls back to Venus, where the evil Velma tries to subjugate Wonder Woman and then invites gangsters to invade and conquer her planet. Helen Keller is profiled as one of the Wonder Women of history. That last part there was a really neat aspect of those early Wonder Woman episodes. These little snippets of women's history were included as sidebars, so the comics were both fun and informative. Joy wrote more than 70 entries for Wonder Woman, and evidently always got her stories greenlit quickly because she didn't get into all the bondage that William did, generally keeping her scripts less sexy. She wrote for three years under the name Charles Moulton, which was also William's pen name, and went uncredited for decades. Not long after she went to work for him, William contracted polio, and shortly after that, he was diagnosed with cancer. When he died in 47, assistant editor Robert Kaniger took over. Joy had just married her first husband, David Murchison, 
and decided to leave comic book writing to help take care of her new stepdaughter. Later, she did say, even if I had not left because of my new daughter, I would have resigned if I was told I had to make Wonder Woman a masculine thinking and acting superwoman. And that's what started happening shortly thereafter, or at least that Wonder Woman started being viewed more so with a male gaze through a male lens, in part because of William's death, but also because of a conservative tidal wave that crashed into the country following the end of World War II. With men coming back from the war, women were returned to more domestic duties, and this was reflected in the writing of Wonder Woman. She was often marriage-obsessed and no longer as concerned with fighting fascism. She joined a team of superheroes called the Justice Society of America and was made the secretary, even though she was one of the group's most powerful figures. In 1954, a Senate subcommittee investigating comics heard testimony from a psychiatrist named Frederick Worthram, who was convinced that comic books were contributing to juvenile delinquency. He hated the feminism of Wonder Woman and complained that, quote, they, meaning female heroes in comics, do not work. They are not homemakers. They do not bring up a family. Mother love is entirely absent, unquote. Loretta Bender, a psychiatrist herself that had worked on the comics editorial advisory board, testified that if Congress was so concerned with pop culture corrupting young girls, it should point the finger at Walt Disney, who liked to kill off mothers or send them away from their children. Parents all around the world have fast forwarded through the first 10 minutes of Bambi ever since fast forward was a thing. But it didn't matter. Comic books were now going to undergo a collective self-censorship adopting a code that read, in part, all scenes of horror, excessive bloodshed, gory or gruesome crimes, depravity, lust, sadism, masochism shall not be permitted. Illicit sex relations are neither to be hinted at nor portrayed. Violent love scenes as well as sexual abnormalities are unacceptable. The treatment of love romance stories shall emphasize the value of the home and the sanctity of marriage. Ugh, boring. Marriage and homemaking tips began filling those previously feminist sidebars, and we entered into the silver age of comic books. Half of the issues raised by these comic book codes weren't present in Wonder Woman regardless. While he did lean into slight kink, recognizing freely that someone somewhere will find any little thing arousing, William had been adamantly against, quote, harmful, destructive, morbid, erotic fixations, real sadism, killing, bloodletting, torturing where the pleasure is in the victim's actual pain, etc. Those are 100% bad and I won't have any part of them, unquote. And so now that he's back in the mix, let's revisit William's life. He'd married attorney and psychologist Elizabeth Holloway in 1915. She had fought to put herself through college and law school as her father considered it a waste of money sending a woman to university. William and Elizabeth collaborated on the first iteration of the polygraph machine, and Elizabeth bucked societal norms by working all through their marriage. She indexed the documents of the first 14 Congresses and also lectured on law ethics, and psychology at various universities. In 
1925, William and Elizabeth met a Tufts University student named Olive Byrne, who was the niece of Margaret Sanger. She became his research assistant and moved in with the Marstons and their young son, Pete. She'd planned to pursue a doctorate in psychology, but dropped out to take care of little Pete. Olive and William began a relationship, and it's unclear exactly how Elizabeth felt about the three of them entering into a polyamorous marriage. In some articles, it said William issued an ultimatum to Elizabeth. If she didn't like Olive living with them, then she could leave. In others, she is depicted as a willing participant. And in the movie Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman, the women were lovers. What is definitely known is that Olive began wearing wide bands on both wrists following their November ceremony. To keep their secret, the Marstons said she was a widowed sister-in-law or widowed housekeeper, and Olive used the last name Richards in her articles for Family Circle magazine. She named her first son, Byrne Holloway, using Elizabeth's maiden name for his middle name, and Elizabeth named her only daughter, Olive. Olive would have another son, Don, and both boys were formally adopted by the Marstons. Olive took care of the children while Elizabeth and William worked, and after William died, Elizabeth supported the entire family herself, sending all four kids to college. Because the women continued living together until Olive's death in 1990, and because each woman named one of their children after the other, I'm inclined to believe they had a very close, very dedicated relationship. When Elizabeth died at the age of 100, the New York Times wrote in her obituary that she had been the inspiration behind Wonder Woman. I'd argue that she and Olive each were muses to William. So both of them, along with Joy's influence on the character, live on. They all get to be immortalized in the golden age of comics before Frederick Wortham ruined everything. And I swear to you that I'm not trying to constantly cover the golden age of anything. If we really want to get into it, we can make arguments about how women's history is all too frequently relegated to absolute bests and absolute worsts. And at some point, yeah, we're going to have to get into that explicitly. But for the purposes of this episode, let's just send a silent screw you to Freddie and move on. For nearly 50 years, Feminist icon Gloria Steinem has extolled the virtues of Wonder Woman's impact on society, once saying, Wonder Woman symbolizes many of the values of the women's culture that feminists are now trying to introduce into the mainstream. Strength and self-reliance for women, sisterhood and mutual support among women, peacefulness and esteem for human life a diminishment both of masculine aggression and of the belief that violence is the only way of solving conflicts, end quote. While Joy's work was largely unknown for most of her life, author and historian Jill Lepore brought her contribution to light in her 2014 book, The Secret History of Wonder Woman. In 2018, Joy received the Bill Finger Award for Excellence in Comic Book Writing at San Diego Comic-Con and later called that experience the best weekend of her life. In a 2019 interview of the comic book, she said, it had to be something that women could read and get to feeling that they could go out into the world and be listened to. Okay, so let's do a quick roundup here. 
We've talked about Joy Murchison Kelly, one, and her lasting legacy of two, Wonder Woman, who was inspired by three, Elizabeth Holloway Marston, and four, Olive Byrne, and likely, at least in some small part, Olive's aunt, Margaret Sanger, five. Finally, we touched for just a second on Gloria Steinem, Joe Lepore, Linda Carter, Gal Gadot, and even Fantoma, the mystery woman of the jungle. Holy shit. (laughs) That's a lot of big talent, a lot of big energy in, in this one, and all because Joy's work had been overlooked for so long that when she died, every report wanted to make sure she was given credit where credit was due. So thank you for listening to The Sewing Circle. You can find all my sources on my website, sewingcirclepodcast.com, where you can also find previous episodes and their sources. Follow me at TSC underscore pod on both Twitter and Instagram. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your other favorite shows. Until next week.